Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 76 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. And we are recording this in mid-November, looking ahead to holiday season 2016. Um, And we're going to be talking about two kind of (laughs) yin and yang ideas with our kids, and that is greed and gratitude. So how to kind of get a handle on those holiday gimmies that just come with childhood and also how to cultivate gratitude with our families and with our kids. And what we thought in doing this, obviously, if you're listening, if you listen to our shows right when they come out, you also are looking ahead into Thanksgiving and the winter holidays. Um, but we know people download and listen to this show all different times of year. And so we're, we're going to be very conscious that this is, these are ideas that don't go away after January, right, right Megan? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they, and they circle around to birthdays and other gift giving holidays. So, um, we're kind of, we have our holiday hats on, but don't, don't click away if you found this in May. Because, absolutely. Um, this is, this is year round stuff. So, yeah, so we're going to spend the first half of the show kind of talking about greed. I don't even really like that word, but you know what I mean. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. When kids go through phases where they just want everything they see. Gimmies. Mm-hmm. The gimmies. <laughs> yeah. And as parents, we kind of, I think we have like a, a very strong reaction to that sometimes, but don't quite know how to process it with our kids. So we're going to talk about that and then we'll kind of shift to gratitude and how we kind of cultivate that in our families. So right. that's the plan for episode 76. Um, okay. Well, the toy catalogs have started (laughs) in my house. Um, and I'm going to actually put a positive spin on toy catalogs for a second. We'll just kick it off with this. I let my kids circle and pour over the toy catalogs as much as they want. And to them, it's like a really fun activity and sport. They know that they're not going to get everything that they circle, but I, I kind of want to, um, poke holes in this idea that kids shouldn't want things or that we've got to curb that instinct because as adults, we want things too. Like when the Pottery Barn catalog arrives, I it's eye candy for me too. And that's why adults have Pinterest and window shopping. Yeah. Don't you think? I think so. And I think too, like I'm exactly the same way. And I think that there's um, an element of fantasy in that, that that almost feels like you got it. <laughs> it's right. kind of like those unboxing videos. Why everyone loves those unboxing videos is my kids don't expect to get all the toys. They watch someone else open, but there's something exciting just about seeing. It's like consuming it in a different way. So I've right. always been the same, and it's hilarious. Our toy catalogs are usually like everything's circled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it, literally it everything. A, it is a really good uh, window into your child's personality too, though, because I have 
ones that will circle everything. And I also then have one child who's really strategic and purposely only uh-huh. asks for a few things to maximize his uh, chances of getting what he wants. So it's so funny. funny. Yeah. Um, I actually at like, some point had to have my kids like all have a code. So like one was a circle, <laughs> one had a star. No, so that later, if I actually was going to buy anything out of the catalog, that, that I could tell which kid wanted it. The funny thing is, I I literally never make purchases based on catalog circling anyway. It's kind of like, no. go through and circle everything, and then this is probably going to end up in the recycling bin. Yeah, <laughs> so. we, we, we're the same way. I will say I'll peek, and it does sometimes give me ideas. And right. um, I think last year in a holiday episode, I mentioned that it's great to get on the mailing lists for really quality toy catalogs. I mean, mm-hmm. the kids would love everything. They'll take the Target circulars that come in the newspaper too. But um, I've mentioned some of my favorites, Lakeshore Learning, One Step Ahead, Magic Cabin, which is the really Waldorfy like yep. hippie one that I love. Um, so if you can get on some of those mailing lists, um, I don't really end up ordering either very often, but it does, it can give you an insight. If you're, if you're looking for gift ideas for your kids, right. you could be like, Oh, they're into that. So yes, wish fulfillment, fantasy shopping. I just want to point out that adults do the same thing and wanting stuff is, I don't think, I don't think that that's something we have to necessarily curb. It's more about, um, I don't know how am I what am I trying to say, Megan? Um, well, it's let, it's not wanting stuff is fine. It's just understanding yeah. we can't have everything that we want in a passing, you know, have a passing right. fancy for, and it doesn't actually bring joy to our lives just to get everything. I mean, right. sometimes there's just joy in looking at it and going, oh, that's so cool. Right. And, and I think it. however it works in your family about what's expected for holiday gifts or birthday gifts, I think just talking about it early and often and consistently mm-hmm. helps. And then we don't have to worry that, well, if they circle everything in the catalog, they're going to want everything because it's right. like, it's two totally different things. One is fantasy window shopping and the other is reality. Right. Um, yeah. And I think when they're, when we're, when we talk about that more, more than just once a year, um, and are consistent about it, then I think they, they pick up on the difference too. Um, yeah, totally agree. And it's, see. it's kind of similar to like, you know, I found myself going down kind of a dangerous route when my biggest kids were really little. Um, we would spend a lot of time at the store and, you know, year round. And because that was my entertainment, it was like going to Target <laughs> and wandering right. around. Right. And I, I remember this like rush of realizing that I'm an adult and I have the power to make my kids really happy right now by getting uh, them yeah. something. And it started to become kind of a bad habit. And then they started to think that they were going to get something every time we went to Target. And so yeah. I really worked to then kind of reverse that. And now everyone knows, you know, this was a long time ago when Jacob and I yeah. took really, really little. Um, everyone knows, A, I don't really take them all to Target. B, if we do, we're probably not going down the toy aisle. And C, if right. we make it to the toy aisle, it's very unlikely they'll get something like in a random, on a random shopping trip right. in February. Because um, that's, I think also it's like, again, the difference between liking to look and enjoying window shopping and then feeling like you're entitled to get something are two different, very different things. Right. One thing we do in the target toy aisle, um, is just take, I will, I'll take pictures of everything they like. And just like the toy catalogs, I, they never remember it. I always delete the pictures from my phone. One, one out of 50 things might be something that I later think, Oh, he really did. He really would like that for his birthday or something and keep it on the list. But, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. We've been pretty consistent about that. Um, and I don't mind going into the toy aisle. It will sort of be the carrot at the end of the stick for making it yeah. through a target run, but without, without any expectation of buying, but just looking and browsing and then, yeah, taking cell phone pictures is kind of how we, it's the equivalent of circling it in the catalog. That's smart. Um, I pulled up an article. I remember reading on the art of simple, which is, um, Tish Oxenrider, did I say that right? Yes. Um, Tish's blog. And I remember reading this about three or four years ago, but I just pulled it up um, this morning and she talked about um, training or (laughs) coaching her kids to say, instead of, I want that or I need that, saying I like that. And this Mm -hmm. is year round. And it is really subtle, but it's stuck in my head, first of all, because I remembered the post. And I love that um, because looking at toys and clothes and everything for us, for, you know, adults, it might be houseware, home decor. It's part of your own creative expression and who you are as a person. So I don't think it's something, I mean, I think it 
it can almost be spun into a good thing as your kids get older to find out what they like. I like that. I like that instead of I want that and I need that. So yeah. I just thought that was a clever That's very, distinction. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we can have conversations with our kids like, well, what, what do you like about that? Or what is, you know, what is it that you're really into right now that that has? And it's less about the acquisition of that thing and more about who, who they are and their little developing tastes and personality. And so I thought that was really smart. Um, I will link to that and We'll link to everything we talk about um, in the show notes at themomhour.com. But that was an article by Tish at Art of Simple that I stuck in my head. That makes a lot of sense because it's okay to like things, you know. And right. I think there's such a like a um, like minimalist guilt almost right now. Yeah. Like, you know, we we tend to be so polarized and so all or nothing um, in our American culture. Maybe is partly to do with it, but it's like it has to be either you know you're just crazy materialistic or you're a minimalist and you, right. you know, eschew. did I pronounce that right? It's one of those, I just realized, I'm not sure I've ever said that word out loud. Well, now you did. Eschew? I think that's right. Say it again. Keep eschew. saying it. Eschew. Now eschew? it's going to start to make no sense. Eschew? Eschew. It sounds eschew. like a shoe. Okay. We'll get back to you listeners on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Please someone let me know how to pronounce that word. Um, Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes, and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. But it doesn't have to be so, you know, you can work towards simplicity and being a smarter consumer. I like to think of it as instead of being not a consumer or consuming less, just being more, just being more smart about it. Because again, it's like, yeah, you can buy, you can buy stuff. Um, That doesn't mean everything is worth the purchase and not everything's going to make you happier. And, and, you know, I think kids, uh, especially, and this is kind of more holiday focused and I'm not sure if it's where we're supposed to be going with this right now. (laughs) It's okay. Sarah, am I allowed to go off the reins here? I think a lot of times when and this is why something that I saw happening, like when Jacob was like his first birthday, it was one of those crazy blowout and it wasn't our, or maybe it was Christmas. And we went to like a family Christmas and he was one of the very first, um, like kids of our generation, you know, the, his generation right. of those cousins. And so like everybody, you know, my aunt and like grandmas and everybody bought him a million gifts and he, there was this huge pile of gifts under the tree and they were mostly for a one-year-old and right. I like watched him opening stuff and losing interest and you know, there's the diminishing returns like yeah. you peak. And then after that, it's just stressful because really 
he just wants to play with stuff now. Right. And I thought, okay, I can see already that this is not the way to go. Like this mm-hmm. is going to end up in the end not making it easier for him to see the distinction between getting right. something that really is going to bring you joy and just getting a bunch right. of junk. So not that it was junk, but just it starts to look like junk. Yeah. You yeah. know? No, I, I totally agree. Um, the other thing that you touched on that I wanted to mention too is that you know, with our kids, a lot of times they, uh, the stuff that they want and see in the toy catalogs and target aisles, it, we know to be kind of crap. Yeah. And I've had to really rein back my judgment. If we're talking about fantasy sh- window shopping, then there's no place for my judgment. And I really have to rein back to, to think, saying things like, well, that's going to break in a week or you don't right. really want that. You know, in my head, my inner dialogue is like, I know you're going to get tired of that in a week and it's going to break and it's way overpriced, yada, yada. But I really try to just, what they like is what they like. Again, it may not be what I choose to buy for them, but I think, um, that I don't think that's helpful in, it's not accomplishing the sort of curbing these gimmies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of counterproductive and if anything, it's judgmental. And if you think about it, going back to us adults, we have like, there's little splurges and, you know, guilty pleasures that are also crap or a right. waste of money, objectively, like to each his own kind of, I guess yeah. is my point. So that's something I've tried to, I'm not very good at, but I'm trying to be better about and when they are, you know, when they are expressing what, what they like or what they would like for a gift withholding judgment. <laughs> and then I think that sometimes, you know, one thing that I've done with, with varying success is once you get past that first stage, which is just like the catalog circling, um, I want, I want, I want, or I like, I like, I like, going by Tisha's mm-hmm. advice. Um, then you kind of move on, at least in our house, like phase two, which is let's talk about what you really want. You know, like yeah. now let's let's get real. Uh, where's your list? And it's probably, you know, don't put more than five or six items on it because you're, I'm probably going to pick four. You know, so, you know, give me a little bit of wiggle room to make some decisions if I have to for budget or whatever, but um, don't go crazy. So then that kind of forces them to really think about it. And that's when I've tried in the past sometimes to steer kids toward like a better quality version Mm -hmm. or a less obnoxious version of something, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes they just want something for the name brand or sometimes they just want something because their friend has the same thing or they saw the commercial. And You know, I don't know that it's my job to completely talk them out of what they want. I might try to do some steering, but Christmas happens, you know, once a year. We don't buy gifts all year round, and we go very uh, minimal on birthdays. So I do want to spoil them a little bit and give them that thing that's going to make them go, wow, even if I kind of know down deep. Yep. It doesn't have the most lasting power. Yeah, exactly. The The process of choosing gifts for your kids, I feel like it's kind of a jigsaw puzzle. It's budget. It's what they really want. It may be a little bit of what you think they need, you know? Yeah. So it's, I don't think there's any one formula that you have to stick to. Um, another thing you just said that I really want to emphasize is that you guys have your set of family rituals and values about how you give holiday and birthday gifts. And if you think about it, most families probably do, but I think that's huge for kids to kind of come to expect the same relatively yes. the same thing every Christmas, because as kids get older and wish lists, wish lists get more expensive, you know, maybe when they're littler, the gimmies are more about, I just want as much as possible, right. but that just morphs into more expensive things. And I think the earlier we can be consistent and also kind of transparent, you don't have to say, well, we can't afford that, right. but there's ways to say, well, in our family, we, you know, we shoot for three or four gifts per kid or in our family, you know, dad and I set a budget at the beginning of the year and here's what we, you know, I think it's, it's again, it's not one lecture once a year, but the more they see us making those choices in a smart conscious way, the more, and the more consistent it is, the less potential disappointment or, or just, you know, like one Christmas it's bonanza and then the next it's not. And you know, some of that can be helped, but no, I totally agree. And the thing is too, like that consistency is, I, Totally agree. It's so important. And it's really, it can be very tempting when they're little and you can buy, like if you have a kid who's really into matchbox cars, they're 99 cents. I mean, you could (laughs) buy a hundred of them for the budget of a teenager's one gift, Right. but the little kid isn't going to grow up and they're not going to get to be 10 years old or whatever and think, yeah, I used to get a hundred gifts, but that's because they were cheap. And now, but now I get one and that's okay because I understand the mathematical, you know, realities of this decision. It's not like whatever expectation you set, kids are kind of simple in the way they think 
about yeah. that kind of thing and they're not yeah. going to they're not going to do the math or or even understand that the gifts they were given maybe were less expensive when they were little it took me right. parenthood to figure that out so right. Right. you know i remember thinking like as a kid it's so funny now i remember standing in the um in the in target line or it wasn't even target then it's probably kmart and looking at my little ponies and wanting one and thinking to myself like my mom could never afford to get me one of these unless it was christmas and it's so funny cuz now i look back and yeah. i'm thinking you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but she still could have. Right. <laughs> she could have bought right. me a My Little Pony. She didn't right. for her own reasons, which I totally understand and respect. Um, but I had no, I had no idea, like I had no context for yeah. what the actual cost of that was. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up too was as we move through the holidays and there's all of these different parties and events and things that you can do, I think it's easy for a lot of them to be consumption based, like going mm-hmm. to sit on Santa's lap. We've talked about this, I think last year. Um, and what I think is helpful is to look at the calendar, kind of the beginning of the holiday season and making sure that you're calendar isn't filled with things that are just going to reinforce the gimmies and the consumerism. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think it's very difficult to do. It's just, maybe you go see a play. Maybe there's, you know, maybe you go and drive to the snow one day and do other things that are away from malls, away from, you know, gift list type Santa driven stuff. And maybe that's not even what your family does anyway, but it's, it's easy to get sucked into where you're doing something like that every weekend. And pretty soon the kids are being asked all the time, what do you want for Christmas? What's on your Christmas list? And I think with a little bit of planning, there's ways to do other holiday things that have nothing to do with the gifts. And I think that just kind of spreads out, spreads out the, the gimmies. Does that make sense? No, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, we've, we've been doing, um, advent calendars for the last few years that are Playmobil ones. And so the Mm -hmm. point is you unwrap like a little thing every day, but then it becomes part of the scene. Oh, fun. And I really like that it's not something you get. It's like something you do. And then everyone gets to enjoy it. So the whole family gets to see this cute little scene unfolding uh, before their very eyes. If you want one, I'd go on Amazon and buy one like right now because they sell out. Okay, good. We will link to that. This is early enough. (laughs) I ordered mine. I ordered two in advance this year. Cause I just knew that I was, you know, I do that every year. I forget. Until... Okay. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. So if you're catching this right when it airs, um, we'll link to that. That's a great idea. I wanted to ask you too, um, going back to the idea of when kids are getting older and kind of wanting more expensive things, have you had to deal with kind of a keeping up with the Joneses with, as your boys got older of so-and-so gets this much for Christmas or so-and-so got is asking for this? Um, cause that, it can also be tricky. Yeah. Um, not so much with the teenagers, maybe just cause they've been around the block enough to know it's not going to happen. I think that's really tough. Like at the 12, 13, 14. Yeah. For whatever reason, also my two younger sons have made like wealthier friends <laughs> than my <laughs> older kids did. The Joneses, I don't know. Are, the Joneses yes. are Jonesier. They're Jonesier. And, um, but I, you know, I feel like one thing that I've been kind of lucky about is I feel like the parents that I know um, that my kids are good friends with their kids are they just kind of understand that there's all different people have a lot of different realities in our town for it being this like little, you know, kind of well-to-do suburb, not suburb, but it's like, it's like a small town with a kind of a suburby feel to it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And uh, it's remarkably economically diverse. You Uh wouldn't think so, but it really is. There's kids, especially at the one school that my kids go um, elementary school, my kids go to, it's just a, like a wide range and everyone plays with everybody. So I think that right. parents are kind of hip to that. Yeah. Um, it does happen though. I think that the more challenging thing for me is that I start to feel bad because I give them like one gift mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because it blew the whole budget. So then right. I have to find ways to – like I try to find ways to give them a few things to unwrap besides the one gift so that their little pile is right. one thing yeah. and everyone else has, you know, the little kids have five or six. Yeah. So, and we do try to keep it, you know, we keep it usually for like three to five gifts each kid. And the older ones, typically it's more on the three side yeah. because what they're getting is more expensive. Um, so yeah. And I don't, I do not worry about making everything completely like down to the dollar, uh, fair and equal. I, right. I think that that's a recipe for a lot of frustration and right. I've known families where they do that. And then, you know, then you feel obligated just to buy stuff just to get one right. kid up to a certain level and right. or not buy something another kid really wants 
right. that would be a really great gift because then that would be unfair. And I just don't believe in that kind of fairness. I'm more right. like, in the end, it all evens out. I would rather get you the the one thing you really, really want and that really speaks to who you are, even if it's mm -hmm. a little more or less expensive. And I think, right. I don't think kids are comparing price tags. Right. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, so. but it's amazing how that, I think that's a pretty consistent parenting experience is the, if you have more than one child is the fretting over making it fair in some way, whether that's right. dollar value or the number, number in the pile. Yeah. So I try to keep um, it fair. Like, and, and I'm one of those people who shops and then stick stuff in a closet and then shops again and stick stuff in a closet. So a few days before Christmas, I just put like everything on my bed and start make sure, yeah. first of all, make sure I remember who I bought it for. Yeah. Because with the two sets of kids, yeah. it's very easy to forget which one of those two boys right. was meant to get this. And right. then just kind of like, I'll make like five piles. And then sometimes I move things around. Sometimes I'll look at the piles yeah. and go, okay, well, this is clearly not, you know, even enough for my liking. So I'll move something into a different pile and, or yeah. sometimes stuff goes back. I mean, or, or I have to go out and buy one more thing. Family. Like I'll do that yes. if something yep. is an add on, but nobody's yep. pile needs to be bigger than it just is for everyone. You know, yeah. I've even opened things up that have multiple parts and just <laughs> put the parts in a, in the stockings. That's great. Like, you know, if it's like a, let's say it's a, like an, a action figure set and there's two guys in it or something, you know, yeah. William and Owen might get one guy each in their stocking. So it's that's, just, you can get great. really creative if you just have an open mind about it. I love that. Well, uh, we're going to move on to gratitude, but just kind of to summarize, I, I think it's really important that we give our kids permission to want stuff, number one. And I think you said it best when we have consumerist guilt or what did you say? Like material <laughs> minimalist guilt but, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Minimalist guilt that we don't let our, we are so much more worldly than they are. And we understand yeah. the implications of consuming a lot of stuff. And we have big values that we want to teach our kids, but I think it's also okay for them to want stuff during the holidays. And we, we don't, we can still be raising good kids and let them just circle the heck out of a toy catalog. And all so, kids are, are very wow. different about that too. Like that's another thing I wanted to say is, you know, I have kids who never admit to wanting anything and they're very uh, reserved about asking for things. I was a mm -hmm. kid like that. And looking, mm -hmm. it's not that I didn't want stuff. I think that's the other thing that like you might have a kid who feels bad or weird about asking, but that doesn't mean they're not wanting. And sometimes in those kids, I actively try to draw it out. Yeah. First of all, it's kind of a, annoying <laughs> to be like, what do you have for Christmas? Oh, nothing, mom. That's okay. Like, come on. Allegra I know will you say want what something. her brother and sister want. She'll yeah. never, if, when adults ask her what she wants for Christmas, she'll say, Reed's asking for a Star Wars Lego set. It's very bizarre. She doesn't, yeah, she doesn't want to yeah. like put herself out there like that or look greedy or whatever. And I think with those kids, like I actively try to make them want more stuff, which is funny. Yeah. But yeah. um, I wanted to make one other point, and that is, you know, yeah. we talked about catalogs, um, and I I love catalogs. I think they're great. I um, I think this time of year, if your kids watch commercial TV, it's a good time to start directing yeah. them toward Netflix or away from TV because that is yeah. the one. I will say, in my experience, and for whatever reason, I'm not. This is not any kind of judgment. My kids just watch very little commercial TV right now. We have cable. They just don't really watch it. They have yeah. other stuff to do and other things to watch. But when the, the Christmases that my kids have had access to commercials yeah. have been some of the most annoying, yeah, begging, um, mm -hmm. I, something about a 30-second TV ad is yep. so different from looking at something in a catalog. It's like night and day. It's, so that's if so you're, interesting. If you're hearing a lot of gimmies and, and kind of entitlement issues, it might just be that your kids are watching really good advertising and they need to yeah. take a break from it. It's so true. Um, that was one of Tish's points too in that same article. Um, and my kids don't really watch commercials when we were watching baseball for the entire month of October. Yeah. They saw more commercials than probably they ever have in their life. So sport, live sports is probably the, and the, and those commercials don't tend to be toy driven, at least not until the actual holidays maybe, but, but my um, kids have ended up wanting, desperately wanting things that aren't toys. Yeah. <laughs> like my kids wanted tap lights and <laughs> like, remember the, you know, the little lights that yeah. they're like the SCN yeah. on TV. And they they were begging for them. Chocolate yeah. fountain. They're begging it. for a chocolate fountain. So it just it can those ads are so good and they're like they know what they're yep. doing and yep. uh, it can be a little much. So I would yeah. advise if that's becoming a problem in your house, maybe just turn that off for a while and see what happens. Yeah, that's a great great tip. All right, well let's move on to gratitude. Um, I have to confess that I have like a a complicated relationship with the idea of daily 
gratitude, thankful jars and thankful trees at this time of year, because I feel like it's one of those things that can make us feel guilty as moms. Now, if you're out there doing it successfully and it's really cultivating mindful gratitude in your kids, then I bow down to you. But I have, I have experienced it in a more like comparison posted on Instagram and Mm -hmm. Pinterest kind of way. So I just want to put it out there and I don't even know what you like, what you're going to say to this, Megan, but I think, I think there's research that proves that daily gratitude practice is really great for kids and adults and helps with overall happiness. And there's, I mean, there's science behind that. However, I don't think that it has to be it has to look the same for every family, and I don't think it has to take the form of a cute tree. And yes. I don't it doesn't think have, you have to be to a project every every November, starting yeah. from the beginning. So I'd love to kind of go into this with you because I think you're probably the same way. And how do we how do we introduce the idea of gratitude and not necessarily in a way that is, you know, written on a pretty leaf that is glued to a tree? So I am not a project oriented person. I actually. Um, that makes me not want to do something. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> so uh, that won't work for me. Like having a thing that we're all expected to do makes you know makes me feel forced. Um, I don't necessarily want anything that has a craft involved, like anything like that. I feel like for me what works is to just be talking. And this yeah. goes with the greed or the gimmies and the gratitude. They're, they're, they're hand in hand. Is to talk regularly and often and openly about how fortunate we are, not just – our family relative to like our neighbors or whatever, because I don't know their situation, but our, 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 you know, first world nation compared to yeah. others and just like how grateful and lucky we are for what we have. Um, but I don't do it in any kind of organized way like that. I think yeah. if you're a praying family, that's a really good opportunity to show yeah. gratitude. And I, I think it's a good time to, um, teach kids that, I mean, I don't know if this is the case in all religions, but I don't know any religions where prayer is supposed to be about asking for stuff. Right. (laughs) So I I feel pretty safe in saying, I think that's a good opportunity if you are the kind of family that prays together to do, to make that really gratitude focused, or if maybe you're a meditating family to make that gratitude focused. But for me, it's not ever going to be, it's never going to be Pinteresty. Yeah. Or Instagram-y. I'm the same way. And then, um, last year I, actually kind of broke my own mold and we did have a, just an open journal page out and I would kind of ask the kids throughout the month of November and I never made a tree or did anything with it, but it was just kind of an experiment and they were old enough to think of things. And what's funny about kids is if you, if you are doing some kind of like a November thankfulness thing, and there are lots of very meaningful ways to do it. Kids will often say that they're grateful for really funny stuff. And that's part of, that's part of why it's actually kind of fun and funny. And you get the, the school projects come home. Like, I'm oh yeah, I've seen that. Those are always funny. Yeah. Um, but just like, just like not judging their material wishes, I think, you know, not judging if they're thankful for their iPad or, right. you know, M&Ms or, you know, that this, however they are experiencing it is okay. And I think just like you said, more of keeping it part of regular conversation, um, throughout the year. Um, and then if you have a project that goes along with that, great. If you don't, you're not a failure, I think is the, is the idea. Also remembering that little kids don't have, um, the big picture yet. So being grateful for their iPad is not only okay, it's their own, it's the only thing that they know. So I think we have to remember that this is, again, we say it all the time on the show, we're taking the long view and it's not a four-year-old isn't going to have the context for, um, you know, our, how lucky we are in the first world. That doesn't mean we don't start to introduce the conversation, but, um, they get to be thankful for whatever they're thankful they do. for. And, and another thing that I, I think that you really need to keep in mind is that kids are so, 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 so different. And so are parents. So, um, like a daily gratitude practice has never really, has it's really never appealed to me. Um, like the way it's done on Facebook in November, generally speaking, right. Right. Because honestly, my, and I, this is something I was born with and I can't, you know, I'm not taking credit for it, but my natural predisposition is toward optimism and just kind of like liking life. Even when things are hard, I'm usually able to kind of see around that and focus on good stuff without having to really externally practice it, practice that. It just kind of happens for me. But I have kids who are kind of like Eeyores and those kids. I also, I think that something like that more, maybe more strategic, um, 
or more, I don't know, scheduled or planned with those kids can actually not only be a good way to help those kids like find more gratitude, but also to find some common ground. Because I will say I get really frustrated with the, I have one in particular, um, who's just like glass is always half empty, like nothing's ever fair. Um, Great kid and not an unhappy kid, just kind of tends to focus on negative a lot. And that can come out in stuff he doesn't have or stuff he wants. Yeah. So I think when I, I find myself being like, oh man, you know, you have, you have no idea how great your life is. And it's not helpful for me to tell him that. Like, that's not helpful, but it might be, it it is more helpful to ask an open-ended question and have him talk about it. Like, and then, and then we both kind of, there's like little common ground instead of me just lecturing uh, him and him being like, now feeling bad because he doesn't feel happy that he has, you know, heat. Yes. Or running water. Like, well, he's not waking up and jumping out of bed like, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> I get to totally. take a shower today. I mean, he doesn't care. That's yeah. not exciting for him. And I don't want to make him feel bad about that, but it does frustrate me. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Um, uh, one book I wanted to mention, going back to the what you said about teaching kids about how fortunate we are, especially in the first world, is we have a book called A Life Like Mine, Children Around the World. I think mm. I'll link to it on Amazon. It's a DK, um, pu- it's published by DK and then um, in partnership with UNICEF. And it is um, just like those other DK encyclopedias where it's picture driven, but for, you know, I would say any, you know, kids from even four on up, even if they're not reading and it's all different countries all over the world and just how normal kids live. It's not a heavy handed look at extreme poverty. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure an older child who's really interested in human rights and stuff, you could, you could go deeper with that. Um, but it is, um, just like goes through the Atlas through the world and how little kids their age live throughout the world. So again, I don't think things that are lecture driven or heavy handed go over too well, but it's not a bad book to just have out, you know, I don't think we can expect it to give them like 
you know, this aura of worldliness and gratitude at a young age, but it is, it's a very, it's very, um, powerful because of the images. And it's not just about poor countries. It's about, it's just more about the differences in how little kids, how they go to school, what they eat for breakfast, live throughout the world. So I will link to that in the show notes. I think it's a cool book. I'm sure there are others like that. Um, but again, kind of keeping these concepts throughout the year, talking about it regularly, um, as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I wanted to mention one other thing having to do with yeah. that. And that is like, it's such a tricky line to walk because I know our family is relatively fortunate compared to many people in our own community because we don't have some of the same financial worries that other people have or, or just for whatever reason. we Because we have, you know, you have, look at your family, you have I keep telling my kids, it's like, you have four awesome siblings. You all love each other. That's, you're so lucky for that. And not everyone necessarily has that. So, but at the same time, I never want to be like, I don't want my kids to get the idea that everyone in other countries is like downtrodden and and terrible and that they should be pitied. I mean, that's like a really tricky line to walk. And I think that stuff like that is a really good idea. The uh, the other thing that popped into my head is the movie Babies. Did you ever see that movie? Yes. We've talked, we talked. We had to, I thought we did. I don't remember which episode, but um, yes. So I remember watching that with my kids and one, the, one of the things, and it, you know, like it's hard to get a sense of, I mean, you could see that these families obviously relatively to us, um, especially the one in, I want to say Thailand or where, I don't Mongolia, remember now. Maybe? I yeah, 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 yeah. Mongolia. Yes. Um, and I was looking at them thinking, okay, so they don't have the same level of material possessions that we do, obviously, but that's not to say that they are downtrodden or that they're like not loving their life. And what I loved about that movie was there's like no judgment at all. It was just, it wasn't, there was no value judgment on anything. It was just like, these are how babies live. And, and these are babies crying and these are babies being happy. There was no Sally Struthers, like soundtrack, you know, in the back, like (laughs) you could save a child. So I really, I think that was really refreshing and, and it made you see how much babies and kids are, and families are similar rather than different. Um, I just, I know it's, it's tough because it's like, I want my kids to be grateful, but I don't always want their gratitude to be in comparison to what someone else doesn't have. And that's a tricky line to walk sometimes. Yeah, that is really, really smart. Um, I want to kind of shift into talking about charitable giving and the things that come at us during the holiday season. Cause I think it can be a little overwhelming and we feel among all the other pressures we feel during the holidays, we feel pressured to teach our kids about giving back and charitable giving. And this is related to the idea of being grateful for what you have for sure. But, um, I mean, I'm curious how you have handled this, I guess in brief, I find it most effective when we can pick one or two things and do them meaningfully. Um, we've had the most success when we have done those kind of adopt a family type thing where there's Mm -hmm. very specific, um, children who have a name and an age and like a toy item or something they need. And depending on the organization, there's all different ways to do this. But, um, especially with Reed, my middle, who is not particularly altruistic naturally, um, it, that's like, was really one thing that I think he could conceptualize because it was Mm -hmm. a kid with a name who loved star Wars. And, um, rather than take on a bunch of different charitable projects that year, and I can't remember if it was a year ago or two years ago, we just did that. And I kind of like, I kind of spread it out over the season. We talked about it. We, we kind of thought about it for a while. Then we made a special trip to target to pick it out. We kept the kids involved. So that's, what's worked for us. Um, but have you felt some of that overwhelm where there's like a food drive for at every place? Yes. And, you know, you don't yeah. want to not participate, but to keep it meaningful um, and not just have to, it be one more thing that gets lost. And to also be wise. I mean, that's another thing. I, I think there's like this knee jerk, you know, you're going through the Wendy's driving or parking uh, drive through and they're like, would you like to donate a dollar to whatever? And then you feel like a jerk if you say no, but I know nothing <laughs> about the organization. I don't know right. anything. Right. So w- it's, it's easy sometimes to say, try to, to want to say yes to everything because it all sounds good and it all sounds like nice giving and shouldn't we do right. that? But it is overwhelming. Um, and that's the same with like, you know, there's a million toy drives. And I have right. also found that it's easier and more concrete when there's an actual family attached to it. That's yeah. been a, a, a thing we've done. We've done things like just leave a huge tip at a restaurant where I know oh. that I know the waitresses aren't making much in tips. I've worked at those restaurants. And to me, that's that a very idea. personal thing. And so it can be a little spontaneous and the kids yeah. can kind of be part of it. Um, and... I also this year have decided like I'm really going to take the pressure off myself 
of feeling like I have to do holiday related giving because there's so much need all year round. Yes. I would honestly rather almost wait until January and when I'm making like my year plan mm-hmm. <laughs> for the year to factor that in throughout the year and yeah. to have my kids involved in that. It just, it helps everyone because right now organizations are slammed. Everyone's getting stuff and money and time yep. donated. But in January, the majority of that's going to dry up. So yeah. how can I be involved in a way that um, helps people when it's not, there's no holiday? involved. I I totally agree with that. And it just made me think of we, um, the, the internet has made this a lot easier in so many ways. And I know, um, there's a local organization for pediatric cancer here in orange County, um, that has really cool ways for kids to get involved in our, our kids did a fundraising little cupcake sale with neighbor kids. And it was one family's idea, but first of all, it wasn't at the holidays or any particular time. Um, and it was local and the kids did it together. So I just a hundred percent agree that it doesn't have to be during the holidays. And in fact, can be a better quote unquote lesson for our kids any time of year for sure. Um, yeah, the more, the more local and the more tangible, like we talked about with buying a toy for a family, I just think for little kids, is, is so much easier for them to get it. And also we don't have to expect them to get it when they're little. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I fully really understood a lot of this until I was an adult and I grew up in a family that was pretty conscious about giving and including us in the process. And I just think it's a maturity thing in some ways. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. We expect a lot of our kids. Sometimes it's not really age or developmentally exactly. appropriate. It's, <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you don't make a daily practice or a, put rituals and traditions in place around it, but the expectation that they're going to get it. And, and like you said, every kid is different. There are some kids who are really quite worldly and mature and altruistic in that way. And there are many, many who are not. So all we can yeah. do is make it a part of our family mm-hmm. and, and then kind of trust that they will get there. Yeah. Um, and there are also kids who see who, who see the world, um, as a, if somebody gets something, that means it's taken away from me. And I've also realized that is not something they are taught. That isn't like an inherent thing (laughs) because having five kids, it's really, it's so interesting to see the way they all internalize different values so differently. And it kind of takes the pressure off because I realized like I didn't do it. If I have a kid, (laughs) it seems like he's greedy or like selfish because he's afraid if, you know, someone else gets something, he doesn't get it. And then this, the kid two years older or younger than him has a completely different worldview. Yeah. I didn't do that. Yeah. You know, that is just a part of who that kid is. And, yeah. and that's okay. Like they, they can be taught to, um, I guess, work with their, those work with that and still be a giving person, but you don't have to feel bad or irritated or just disappointed with them because they didn't get it at the age of six or eight or 10, right. you know? Right. So. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, I, I wrote down a couple of other specific tips on this. And one is to, especially when kids are younger, um, one is to appeal to what they're already really into. So if you have a child who's really into animals, um, and I think, again, I sometimes overcomplicate things by wanting to pick the best charity or the, you know, the, the thing with the highest need. And I think sometimes if a kid is interested in helping in some small way, it doesn't have to be the thing that solves the yes biggest world. I totally agree. So if you can tap into what they're already really passionate about, um, you know, if they love kittens and puppies, as many little kids do, then something small that serves, you know, homeless animals, it may not even be your top priority as an adult who knows what else is going on in the world, but that's okay. Um, they get to, they get to have their, their things that are important to them, just like we do. And if they want to give 50 cents, you know, and if they want to put 50 cents in a box at the McDonald's or whatever, then, then let them do it. It can kind of be their thing. And I think letting it be something that they're already interested in, Reed loves the ocean and loves, he's really interested in like environment type stuff, like kind of probably is worried about pollution at age six. So he kind (laughs) of has this natural interest in, so, you know, following that towards some kind of, if you, if you are looking to sort of teach a lesson or really get them involved, following their natural interests, I think you could do with almost any kid in any interest, find some way for them to, um, give back even in a small way. And then this is kind of related actually to your idea of leaving the big tip, which I love. I'm going to do that this year. I love that idea is, um, I'm, I usually try to let my kids see me 
thanking the service professionals mm -hmm. in our lives to, around the holidays, which again, does not have to be around the holidays. In fact, would be, I'm sure a welcome surprise any time of year. But if I'm doing kind of a bigger tip for, you know, the guy that mows our lawn right. or, you know, the newspaper, whatever you choose to do, um, making sure that kids see you doing that and just talk yes. about it and dialogue about it. Um, because we're, we're pretty big about thanking everybody in service positions. I also spent many, many years waiting tables. And so I think our kids kind of have that in them anyway, but, um, holiday bonuses and holiday gifts, if you choose to do that, whether it's teachers mm -hmm. or whoever, um, just making sure we're not moving so fast that they don't even know we're doing it. So um, I will also, I will also throw this little tip out for years. I felt bad because, um, I kept missing the garbage guys. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had much stress about that too, actually. Well, I'd always miss them. Like I was never standing in, you know, the room with the window when they happen to yeah. come by, but I have found that kids can run really fast. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if you're like in your house and it's snowing and you don't have shoes on and you don't, and you missed them again, you're like, ah, oh, just like toss the car to the kid and have them chase them down. That's kind of fun. Yeah. And they, they like, yeah. they get a kick out of that. Yes. Agreed. And, um, every year it sort of even comes to a surprise to me, how many people like that, that I want to thank in some little or big way. So it is, it's just a good reminder. I think even for adults at all of the different types of people who make a difference and deserve yeah. a thank you. And whether you choose to do that at the holidays or all year round or both, um, but including kids in that, I think is good. Um, there is another book that I have not read, but wanted to mention cause it's on my list and it's only a year or so old. It's called the opposite of spoiled rate. I'm going to read the whole title, raising kids who are grounded, generous, and smart. And it's been reviewed by a lot of parenting people that I really follow and trust. So I've not read it, but it's on my list. Um, and so if anybody wants kind of a parenting related book, this one called comes highly recommended. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's by Ron Lieber called the opposite of spoiled. And I would like to read it. Um, so yeah. Any other final thoughts on kind of gratitude and giving this time of year or no, year round? We, we covered everything. All of it. We are. Yes. <laughs> We're grateful. We're grateful for you guys. Listening. Yeah, we sure are. Um, and this holiday season, I'm going to be looking for some ways to, to draw listeners attention back to some of our older episodes about the holidays. So if you're catching this and you want more about giving kids gifts or making gift lists, just, just type holidays into the search bar at themomhour.com. But also look over the next couple of weeks. I'm hoping to either rerun some episodes or just find other ways to bring them to you guys in your email or whatever. So stay tuned for that. Um, also, before we wrap, I wanted to let you guys know we have another bonus interview coming up this Friday. should run this Friday with our friend Erica Ladd who once appeared on the home hour with you, Megan, yeah. talking about teacher stuff. But I interviewed her about their foster care to adoption story, which is a awesome. really, really cool story. Um, and she's become a good online friend of mine and is a fellow podcaster. Um, and you guys are going to love that interview. So um, this coming Friday, if you're listening to this right when it airs, look for my interview with Erica Ladd, and that'll be bonus interview number seven. Great. So that's all I got for this week. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. 
If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.